Hello, welcome to episode nine of Max Sports. We're here today with some daily football talk. I try and bring that to you Monday through Friday. Again, I'll get into a little detail about what happened with uh, yesterday's episode. It was supposed to come out at 10 a.m., and I've had a little bit of issues with anchor scheduling stuff because for some reason, even though I swear I put it at 10 a.m. to come out, uh, it was actually scheduled to come out. I'm recording this at 9.40, and uh, yeah, I was supposed to come out in about 20 minutes, so kind of given up on the chances of that episode doing well unless you really want to listen to what I felt was important yesterday. But the main point is we're on to a new one. Honestly, I think I'm just going to drop these as soon as I'm done recording them and kind of edit them and listen to them to make sure that whoever wants to listen to them, I'm giving you the best time, whether it's you getting up in the morning, you doing it at lunch, you in the evening, wanting something to listen to at night. I'll just upload them as soon as I'm done with them. It's hard for me to do the schedule because I can't always check with work and school. I can't always check when I have an, an, an episode up or not. So I'm just going to upload these in my free time when I know I can. With that being said, final little bit. Again, said it several times now. We are on Apple Podcast. If you are a fan of the Apple ecosystem and you're not a big Spotify user, congrats. We have now branched out to Apple Podcast. Again, you could be the first listener of Apple Podcasts on Apple Podcasts as well. Now that that's all out of the way and we got all the you know dumb things I always have to say at the beginning, today is kind of going to be a free-for-all as well. As we get into the offseason and we are running out of games to talk about, we're not going to have as many topics to really break down that are going to keep a lot of listeners, and I understand that. As I said in the episode that didn't make it to air until you know about two hours ago, I may be moving this show down to three days a week and then just adding big episodes when a big trade or a big you know, uh, you know thing happens in the NFL, whether it's free agency, a trade, a, you know, a draft pick, something like that, then making a specific detailed episode on it. We'll see how these episodes do as I go in the offseason. We'll see how I do. I don't want to give you an empty show or just fill it with and, um, uh, you know, which I know I can do a lot sometimes. So I want to try and avoid filler. I don't want to p- come up with topics that I myself don't have a passion for. for. And, you know, so doing so, I want to try and make sure I'm giving you the best, best show possible every single time I talk into this mic. I kind of want to break down before we get into a little bit of Super Bowl talk today, just random things throughout the day, and then just break down kind of how this season went. How will this season be remembered? First off, we're going to be talking about today's topics. Um, Our friend Aaron Rodgers, who loves the media, if it means anything, I'll take this away first. Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show saying today he is doing a darkness retreat after the Super Bowl. Um... What that means is he's going to be doing it for four days. Uh, A darkness retreat means pretty much four days in complete darkness, just himself in this like little house. And uh, he said he's had a number of friends who've done it, and it's been a fun experience. And he expects a decision from that based on his retirement, if he's going to retire or not, or what he wants to do in this offseason. He'll base it on his darkness retreat. You know, if if the ayahuasca didn't hallucinate the Raiders in his dreams or whatever it was, or, you know, his magic mushrooms that he's been taking to to help him decide between the Jets or the Raiders on which team he wants to rot in until he retires, um, 
I guess this will do it for him. Maybe, maybe you Raiders fans used to play in the black hole, as they say, when they were still the Oakland Raiders. Maybe the darkness retreat into a black space maybe means he's going to the Raiders. Who knows? I mean, honestly, at this rate, I think it's just uh, I need attention today and I didn't get enough of it. So going on Pat McAfee and saying, I'm doing a darkness retreat, you know, um, it's it's something that means a lot to me. I think it's a real way to figure out my retirement. Normal people, so real legends that don't just become weird hippies, real legends win a Super Bowl like Peyton Manning and then they retire. They don't do darkness retreats. <laughs> anyway, so we'll see. If the, the best thing that came out with this is it means we'll have four days of complete silence from Aaron Rodgers post-Super Bowl. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I know Packers fans that are tired of his antics are excited for it. I know I am because I won't have anything to talk about him for about four days. Four days of complete silence? That's amazing. So we'll see what happens post-darkness retreat. Speaking of another fossil of a quarterback, everyone's favorite grandpa that still throws the ball 50 yards is Tom Brady. For some reason, he posted a picture like he's a wannabe Calvin Klein underwear model today where he's sitting seductively in front of the mirror. I didn't see the caption for it, but I think it just showed way more of almost 50-year-old Tom Brady than anyone was comfortable seeing today. And it really just wasn't something I needed to see to start my 2023. So glad Brady's off to great things post-retirement. Honestly, I would have loved to see another year of him on the Buccaneers instead of that picture. So after we, now that we're done with this whole thing that we're talking about with our old legends, between Peyton Manning being a flag football coach for some pro bowlers that didn't even want to be there, the underwear model, Brady, and Ayahuasca, darkness enthusiasts, Rogers. I, I think it's a great example of just me growing up because everyone's felt that whether it's an actor, an athlete, someone in their life, but you just have that moment where it's like, man, you used to be cool. And I'm just really not feeling it right now. With most of them. So with that being said, we'll take our first break as we then get into kind of the talks of what this season was, what the regular season was. I know we have Super Bowl talk, and that'll be the big moment. So if you want to skip to that part, fully understand. But I kind of just want to break down the highlights, the funniest moments, the worst moments, the moments that will take away the most from this regular season and postseason, and really break it down as when people look back in time, will what will they remember the most from this year? So I'll try and make a timeline for you guys, and it'll be a fun talking point, I think. So see you soon. Hello, we are back. This season was pre was pretty crazy, and it feels like it's already over, even though it just started. And then there's also moments that feel like it happened three years ago and have been talked about since. What I'm saying with it is there are things that we will remember in this season for all of time. There are crazy moments, crazy highlights, scary moments, crazy plays, and I just want to kind of break down from beginning to end, just my highlights of the season, things that I will be taking away from other teams starting from the beginning of the year to what happened at the end of the year and how it'll all be remembered. When it comes to the beginning of the year, I think one of the first stories that I heard everyone making fun of 
was Zach Wilson. And I know I've picked my own, you know, made my own jokes picking at him too. The dude, oh my goodness. I mean, the whole mom story with his him and his girlfriend, and he apparently was sleeping with his mom's friend, laughable to me. I think that solidified him as not only a bust, but not, you know, short term for the NFL. He isn't going to be an NFL quarterback much longer. Obviously, just an absolute train wreck when it comes to a draft selection. One of the biggest busts in recent years. And I think for Jet fans, the years of the butt fumble making fun of, you know, making fun of that. I think at least you can give Mark Sanchez credit because for as many times as Zach Wilson took moms on dates, he took the Jets to the AFC championship. Tell me which one you really think is harder. Finding a mom to go out on a date with you or taking the New York Jets to the AFC championship. Maybe I'll make that the poll question. Bottom line, though, is it was a huge dumpster fire. I think it put more pressure on a kid that already was struggling as a rookie and really needed a good second year to establish himself, especially on a team that was contending for a playoff spot. And his big mess up and all of his drama and his antics, I think it was part of the reason why he lost his starting job. But I think it's part of the reason why I don't think there's a team that's going to give him a chance next year. I don't think there's anybody that will give him a chance next year. We'll only we'll only be able to find out once it happens, but I think it's done with Russell Wilson. Or oof, Russell Wilson, Zach Wilson. Speaking of Russell Wilson, though, I get to another huge topic. I think it was the trade of the offseason, and I think I think it's still up in the air on how this one will be decided, but we know where it is right now. The Russell Wilson trade. Might have been one of the worst one-sided trades since Herschel Walker going to the Vikings. And why do I think that? It's a It's been so one-sided. When the Denver Broncos acquired him from the Seattle Seahawks in the offseason, they traded the whole farm to get him. Multiple first-rounders, a young tight end, a young quarterback that they had taken in previous drafts, and Noah Fant, and they traded their uh, quarterback, Drew Locke, who again, he isn't, he isn't much, but he helped balance it out for the money so, so they can make the trade go through. But And a lot of people thought Seattle was going to be in the running for the number one overall pick. Some people thought they'd be winless. And people thought that, move over, Mahomes. Move over, Andy Reid. You can go eat your cheeseburger somewhere else. It's Broncos country time. Broncos country. Let's ride. It is catchy and it is fun to say. But it wasn't fun to watch them this year. Their offense was almost painful to watch. I don't know how Broncos fans did it. But I can't believe how bad this ha- this ended up being. I think when it comes to Russell Wilson's time in Denver so far, I think a lot of people thought of them as Super Bowl contenders, at least divisional contenders. And they ended up being the worst team in their division. They were worse than the Raiders. And the Raiders benched their quarterback the last three games of the year. Like, this was a dumpster fire. And I think it could really tarnish how people view Russell Wilson later in his career. For new fans that are just getting on the train, they'll be like, Russell Wilson, he's not that good. Because all of his success happened a couple of years ago. It'll be interesting to see if they can turn it around with Sean Payton. But I think going into the year, 
And where we're at right now with that Russell Wilson trade, I think a lot of people are thinking differently about it. Next, when it comes to offseason moves, one of the biggest things that people were talking about was Lamar Jackson. And people were wondering if the Baltimore Ravens were going to be extending him after this season. They didn't get to neg- or they didn't agree to, to a contract. He ended up playing. He even said, I want to play through here. I want to earn the contract. Only problem is he kind of just stayed the same. Uh, it was honestly a pretty close season the last year. Make it about 10 weeks, have an ankle injury, miss the rest of the year. Tyler Huntley comes in and they don't do much. And it's a worrisome situation on both sides. If I'm Baltimore, I don't love his injury history. And while he's been a good fit for the team and you've pretty much built a team around him, you can't move on from Lamar because you built a run dominant team involving his running ability. And outside of really Jalen Hurts, there's no one else that brings that running ability to the, you know, to an offense. So you can't necessarily move on with him, but you don't also love the pick. You don't want to keep him much. You know, some Ravens people don't don't want him anymore because he's injury prone. But they also don't know what they're going to do. They're not going to be able to get any quarterback in the draft. They're not going to be able to get an upgrade. I don't think there's a, a quarterback outside of Aaron Rodgers, but again, I don't like the fit, nor do I think it would be practical or ever work. I don't think there's a quarterback that's better than him. And so it's this weird love-hate relationship where they both kind of hate each other, but they both need each other right now. And it'll really be interesting to see what they do. I thought that would have been handled by now. I honestly thought he was going to get extended before the start of the season. And I think his injury really hurt his negotiating power. The other thing that hurt his negotiating power, and I'm saying this extremely sarcastically, is Tyler Huntley. I mean, knowing that the Ravens got a Pro Bowl quarterback on their bench, that does hurt his negotiation tactics. Oh, I want more money. Well, we do have a guy that threw two touchdown passes in like six games. So, and he was a pro bowler though. So you can walk. We got a pro bowl guy right behind you. (laughs) I think overall it's still a mess. And I wonder if their lack of coming to a contract will end up being the end of Lamar in Baltimore. And I think when people saw his MVP year, just a couple of years ago, I don't think that's what people were thinking and how it would end just a few years later and having him out of Baltimore. We'll see what happens though. Again, I don't think the Ravens can improve without him, though. But I don't know how you can improve with him. One of the bigger disappointments as well when it came to repeating teams was the Los Angeles Rams. I think them and Denver were really highly thought of as Super Bowl contenders. And as the season went, their chances of repeating dropped immediately. Honestly, I don't think I ever saw the Rams team that won the Super Bowl last year, this year. Now, yes, they acquired Matthew Stafford two off-seasons ago, and he was going to be their guy to get over the hump. They traded away Goff. They traded for Von Miller. They were winning. At, you know, They were going all in. They signed Odell Beckham. Cooper Cup had the greatest year ever. And it all fell apart this year. Aaron Donald missed his first career game. Stafford had two concussions, missed about half the season. They never, their offense never got going. They had no run game. Cooper Cup still got his numbers, but there really wasn't another featured receiver. 
I mean, it was just an absolute dumpster fire. The Baker Mayfield experiment didn't work. Thanks a lot for costing my Lions the last playoff spot, Baker. <laughs> but it, it was an absolute dumpster fire. It didn't work. I it, And they were the worst defending Super Bowl champion in history. They had the worst record of all time. They didn't make the playoffs. And they handed the Lions uh, the sixth overall pick. They were a pathetic excuse of a team. And I think the main losses, while I don't love getting o- giving Odell Beckham a lot of credit because I think he's an absolute diva, I think the lack of a second weapon in the receiving core hurt because eventually people figured out how to how to guard Cooper Cup and they really didn't have a deep threat. I think of the lack of a run game. With Andrew Wetworth retiring, they lost a lot of pass protection ability as well. Stafford took a lot more hits, threw a lot more picks. I think Stafford regressed a bit, whether that was due to an um, off-season elbow surgery that he had. Maybe he just really wasn't ready for the season. That also worries me, too, if I'm a Rams fan for next year. I know some people think they they can retool. They still got McVay. They still got Stafford. They still have Cup. They'll, they'll, They'll bounce back. Right now, their offensive line is putrid. And you're having an, one of the older quarterbacks in the league now. It's weird to think that already. But Matthew Stafford is one of the oldest starting quarterbacks in the league now. I believe he's 35. And he's coming off of elbow surgery and a season where he didn't do very good and had two concussions. I would be worried if I am a Rams fan. Because honestly, I think that machine in San Francisco still has a better chance. Even though they went through like 15 quarterbacks this year. I still trust them more than I trust the Rams next year. And again, McVeigh's had one foot out the door, but he's coming back, but he's kind of going and he's flirting with TV deals. Again, football is one of those games, and especially at the professional level, if you have one foot out the door, you're never going to win at the highest level. You can't do it. And with Aaron Donald maybe retiring, Stafford maybe retiring, McVeigh maybe moving to the broadcast booth, I don't think that they will be coming back to the Super Bowl. I think that they were a one and done. And that's unfortunate because I thought they really had the talent to maybe go for another run. What a disappointing year for them. Now that we're done with the kind of early season struggles, some of my favorite highlights of the year was the butt punt. If people remember that little funny clip, that was one thing that I thought was absolutely hilarious, which was when the Miami Dolphins were in punt formation, of course, after they got pinned deep in their end zone. They had to punt the ball away, and as the punter, uh, the ball leaves his foot, it goes directly in between the cheeks of one of his blockers. Um yeah, that was hilarious to me. I loved seeing the highlights of that. I think you put that in that play in the Hall of Fame, right next to the butt fumble, which we had talked about earlier. That was one of the funny moments for me. As the season begins, I think, continuing with the Dolphins, though, one of the things, while this isn't the highlight of the season, it's more of a sad part, Tua. I think the Dolphins were one of the most Interesting, fun teams to watch. I loved the addition of Tyreek Hill. I loved the speed of him and Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert. I loved watching that offense, and it was explosive and fun. And Tua had some delivering throws where he would just put the ball exactly where they needed to or just give it to Hill, see what his speed can do. I honestly thought they were a really fun team, and I was really bummed to see what happened with Tua. I don't think anyone was happy to see it. One Short term, which I think we always see first, I think it derailed their season. I think they actually had a real good chance, especially if you look at that wild card game against Buffalo. I think they had a good chance of actually beating Buffalo in that game if Tua plays and is healthy. 
And I honestly thought, I honestly think as long as he can recover and come back, I actually like their chances of winning the division next year. Now, the bad side of this and the long-term effects, is Tua going to be able to come back? Will he ever be the same quarterback again? I don't think people give it enough credit. I don't think people realize that he was in concussion protocol up to just like a week ago. From the Packer game. Like, no, he has not been good. And so I am worried. Everyone saw the clip that came around with Tua on the Thursday night game against the Bengals. Everyone saw what happened and it wasn't a pretty sight and everyone was worried, myself included. And it's kind of getting to the point that's very similar to Alex Smith when he was with the Washington football team. I forgot if they were the commanders still or not at the time, but where everyone remembers his terrible leg injury where he nearly lost his leg and almost lost his life. And nowadays his leg kind of looks like there's just a pork tenderloin like sewed into it. And I'm glad that he, he was able to return to football, but my goodness, every time he took a sack, it made my heart stop for a sec and I didn't want to see it happen. It's getting to that point with Tua. I don't want to see him take a sack. I don't want to see him take big hits. I mean, I never want to see a player get hurt, but especially a guy that's got injury prone, you know, issues. It does make me worried. So at the end of the day, I think we'll look back on this short term as the Dolphins were a team that could have done more this year. But long term, you wonder how the NFL will react to these concussions. The league had more concussions this year than they did last year. And it, you know, it's a big topic ever, you know, ever since that movie came out. Not saying it was just the movie, but whether it was Junior Seau or people talk about other former players that have had terrible mental health issues since, you know, retiring from the league. You do wonder, you know, what they're going to do to make sure these players stay stay safe. Will there be rule, rule changes? Will there be different kinds of helmets? Will there be different kind of tackles that are banned from the league? And you wonder if this kind of season with the Miami Dolphins will be a reason why. We'll only find out with time, but it'll be an interesting thing to realize, you know, to see as it happens. Other things that I liked throughout the season, I thought one of my surprise teams that I, I don't think anyone saw doing good, and it's part of the Broncos moment, was the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Geno Smith was so forgotten about. Honestly, I didn't know he was in the league anymore until I heard that the quarterback battle between him and Drew Locke, which I think probably for most people was the least interesting quarterback battle they've ever heard of. I don't think anyone really thought that he was going to do anything except be a placeholder and pretty much a mannequin out there and take all the hits until they either develop Drew Locke or drafted someone first overall next year. And I think that was a fun success story to see a guy who's truly kind of just been thrown out of the league for how bad he was in for the New York Jets and see him truly shine and be the quarterback I think a lot of people thought he was going to be when he was younger. It was interesting to see it. And again, unfortunately, while they still knocked my Detroit Lions out of the playoffs, sad thing to see, it was still interesting to see a team that I didn't think had any expectations make the playoffs and be a team that I don't think anyone saw as a playoff contender this year. It was fun to see, and it was refreshing to see as well, see a new face and see kind of a refurbished team. 
I think the, that they have a long championship window if they keep adding pieces. And if Geno Smith keeps his play or they eventually draft his replacement, as he is a little bit of an older quarterback now, I think that the future is bright for the 12s, for the Seattle Seahawks. So, again, hats off to Seattle. You had a great season. With that, I'll go into the final segment. We'll do some Super Bowl talk. If you want me to continue talking about topics like this, just kind of looking back on our regular season and our postseason, which I think I'll be doing a little bit more as it's fun to do. We didn't cover everything today, obviously, but I do want to get you, you guys some Super Bowl talk. Just let me know. Leave a comment down below. I can find fun facts about the season. I can do some Super Bowl talk or regular season talk. I could break down the playoffs. Maybe if there's a specific team you like, I could break down their season. So with that, we'll go into our final segment, Super Bowl talk. See you soon. And we are back again. And as I say that, I can feel my voice slowly dying because I've had to do a couple takes this episode, unfortunately. We're doing some Super Bowl. We're doing some Super Bowl talk today. My goodness. And I'll be breaking down again a cool little fun fact for you. And then we'll be just kind of discussing what are the main things I'm hearing a lot, a lot, a lot about. My goodness. I'm losing it at this part of the night, guys. But the main thing I want to talk about is my fun fact first. You might have heard of this before, maybe not everyone, but I saw a fun, interesting fact about first-time quarterbacks, and I believe there were 34 quarterbacks that made their first Super Bowl appearance and lost. So they their first time ever making it to the big game, they lost it. So an example would be like Joe Burrow last year or Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers a couple years ago. And apparently, out of those 34, only six quarterbacks have ever managed to come back and make it to the big game again after losing their first appearance. And you think, huh, it's kind of a weird you know, situation. I mean, you'd think that they'd have a lot of chances if they made it to the big game. And I wondered, and I, I tr- truly looked at some of the biggest legends of the game that have won multiple rings. And it's pretty true. Tom Brady, he won his first Super Bowl. Peyton Manning won his first Super Bowl. Eli Manning won his first Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger won his first Super Bowl. And then I started to look at some of the quarterbacks just in recent years that lost their first Super Bowl appearance. And let's see if they ever made a return. Matt Ryan with the Atlanta Falcons, they lost. Probably one of the most heartbreaking Super Bowls ever. And they did not make it back. It's it's an interesting thought. Joe Burrow lost. Now his career is a lot. He's got a lot more left in the tank and he's still on a rookie contract. But it'll be interesting to see when it comes to, you know, Jalen Hurts. If Jalen Hurts wins this, can the Eagles become a dynasty? Can he become a multiple time Super Bowl champion? Or if Jalen Hurts loses, is he going to join the list of one time, one time guys who made the big dance and never came back? It'll be interesting because, honestly, if you play it with these kind of stats, if Hurts wins this one, you could have an Eagles-Chiefs-Reed rivalry for a while. Or you could have a one-time wonder with the Eagles, and you can never see him again for a few years. It'll be interesting. But, again, we can go with other quarterbacks. Jared Goff, my quarterback for my Lions, he was a Ram once and went to the Super Bowl with them. He lost that game, and he is, he is not 
<laughs> not been back since. You know, and there's some quarterbacks that have won their first Super Bowl and not come back. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. But again, there's just some quarterbacks that made the big game, lost the big game, never came back. Again, we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. He he never came back after his loss. So I thought that was an interesting stat, and I wanted you guys to kind of know about that and think, hmm, how will the implications of this game affect the careers of Mahomes and Hurts? Could we have a budding rivalry where these two teams meet up again in another Super Bowl? I think that's highly unlikely. Usually that does not happen. Or, you know, does Hurts just pop up once, get a fat contract, and then the Eagles can't afford to keep their players anymore? And why they might make a Super Bowl or maybe make an NFC championship. They just can't get over the hump. That actually leads into my next segment, which was a trend that I actually thought of. Um, it's been on my head for a while. And it was the, how many quarterbacks on rookie deals had their best years when it came to team success and Super Bowl appearances? And what do you mean by that, Max? That's That's really specific. What do you mean? What I mean by that is, Obviously, when a rookie enters the league, they're getting a cheap NFL draft deal. They're still making millions, obviously. But, you know, Gerald Burrow's contract is half of Aaron Rodgers. And Burrow's the better quarterback. A quarterback on a rookie deal is one of the best deals in all of sports, especially if they play at an elite level at a young age. Because they're getting paid a fraction of what the all pros are making but they're putting up the same numbers, if not better. And what that does is it allows teams to be more flexible with their books, acquiring free agent talents, being able to make trades, being able to you know draft other positions, draft other needs, and be able to afford it. And this was the thing that I was really thinking about when it came to some of these quarterbacks. When I look at young quarterbacks that made the Super Bowl early, perfect example, I think of Russell Wilson. When he was with the Seattle Seahawks and they made it to two straight Super Bowl appearances, I believe it was 2012 and 2013, or 2013 and 2014, he was on a rookie deal. He was a rookie quarterback, and he was a third-round pick, so he was hella cheap. And because of that, they were able to acquire other players, They were able to build their young core and be able to afford their young core. But look at what happened after the Super Bowls, even though they were still playoff contenders, one by one, those those pieces slowly disappeared on that Seahawks team. Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Michael Bennett. One by one, they would just slowly disappear. Once Russell Wilson got his big, fat contract, and while he still played good, the team around him wasn't good enough anymore because they had too much put into one position. Another example I could think of is the Philadelphia Eagles this year. They made the big game, and I think that this is their playoff window now. And while you don't want to disrespect your obvious franchise icon with your starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts is on a second-round pick contract. He's not getting paid $50 million a year. And because of that, they were able to get Ndamukong Sue and make A.J. Brown one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL. It's a trend that I'm really interested in and wonder if 
the the rookie quarterback contract or just the cheap NFL contract truly is what wins Super Bowl sometimes. Patrick Mahomes lifted his first trophy before he got the extension. Now, you could always say Tom Brady, he's a vet, but he's never been the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He's always taken pay cuts so he can get other players on his team. Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl. Then he gets the huge extensions. His last one for almost $61 million. No wonder they couldn't afford Devontae Adams. No wonder they were only an eight-win football team. It's exactly the case. And so I wonder if quarterbacks, once they get the big contract, if they're still necessarily worth it. Now, sales-wise and jerseys and tickets alone, yes, obviously. But when it comes to truly winning, even teams that don't make the Super Bowl, I'll tell you right now, the rookie Dak Prescott Cowboys were better than the last th- few teams the last couple of years. And it's because they had Dak Prescott on the contract of a fourth-round pick. And they were able to afford the most expensive and talented offensive line. And they were able to draft Ezekiel Elliott. And they were able to sign big-name players. When you sign uh, another example, Matthew Stafford, and I'm not saying it was the rookie contract, but he wasn't the most expensive in the league. And because of that, look at the difference between this year and last year. Last year, he was not the most expensive. He was still on his Detroit deal. They were able to re-sign a bunch of guys. They were able to add Von Miller. They were able to add Odell Beckham. True icing on the cake type of pieces that really brought everything together and made them a, a true Super Bowl contender. Once he gets his fat stacks and Stafford gets his 50-something million dollar contract, oh, sorry, Odell can't catch the balls for you anymore. Now, he had an injury, but he's not there. You're going to have to pay him. Oh, we're going to let Von Miller walk in free agency to the team that ended up kicking your butts week one in the Buffalo Bills. Perfect example, guys. So I wonder when you give a franchise quarterback, the big contract, and make him a top three to five quarterback in the NFL pay-wise, is it truly going to keep your Super Bowl window open? Or is it just going to kind of keep you competitive? Because look at some of the quarterbacks that make the Super Bowl in recent years, and they either outplay their contract, where they play better than what they're making, or they're on rookie or cheap deals. It's true. Let's go year to year. Stafford was not the highest paid quarterback last year. Joe Burrow was on a rookie deal. Patrick Mahomes, he's got this big extension. Honestly, that contract will play for itself or pay for itself as it goes because he's getting paid a lot now, but that's going to be a very team-friendly contract when it's all said and done. And that money is still nowhere near what Rodgers got a couple years ago. So you got him versus Brady, who's never taken a big deal. You got Mahomes versus Jimmy G, who wasn't a a very highly paid quarterback either. I mean, and then you got Goff versus Brady. Goff was on a rookie deal. Then he got the extension after the Super Bowl. I mean, really look at it, guys. The quarterbacks that play at their best aren't being paid their best. And the quarterbacks that get teams to the Super Bowl 
aren't being paid like like the best. I think as long as Aaron Rodgers is making $60 million, he's never seeing a Lombardi trophy again. He's not even going to smell one. He's not even going to be in the on the same field. He will never be able to play for one again. Interesting thought. And again, that trend continues with this one. I think Mahomes is on a team-friendly deal because he's playing like an MVP. He's not the highest-paid quarterback, but he's, he's playing team-friendly. And then on top of it, Hurts is on a rookie deal. Both of these teams built it the right way. And I think that's why they're reaping the rewards this Sunday. With that conversation, we'll actually move to the real Super Bowl talk and talk about these two teams more now that I finished my little rant on <laughs> rookie quarterbacks. Be right back. All right. And there's some final, final talk today about the Super Bowl after I've been, you know, milking at the entire show. This will be a longer podcast because I do just want to get more out. I know I didn't get to really show you guys that episode yesterday. So I want to share more content with you guys. If you don't want to listen to it all, I understand. I could talk all day about sports. It's my absolute passion. So here we go. When it comes to the Super Bowl this year, again, we had some little talk about the the quarterbacks. I showed you that trend. I, you know, quarterback contracts. I talked about Jalen Hurts, his potential if he loses the Super Bowl, the trends that show for first-time quarterbacks uh, making their first appearance in the Super Bowl and losing. But I just kind of want to break down the game. So a lot of people are still favoring Philly. A lot of people still think that they are going to be the winners. I think, again, how I've been viewing it all along is I think they have the more talented roster. I think Kansas City has the two best players. I think Mahomes and Kelsey are one and two. Then there's probably five to six Eagles players. But you have the two best players in the postseason. And that does matter. It does matter when it comes to winning. So where do we go from here? What do we think about the Super Bowl? Are the Chiefs really underdogs again? Are the Eagles maybe a dynasty team for a while? I'll give you what I think is going to happen and probably isn't going to be the most popular opinion, but I'll give you what I think is going to happen and I'll give you what I think will happen next year because of it. I'm projecting a close, maybe mid-scoring, not too low, not too high, Super Bowl victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think in a season where everyone has given them crap, I honestly, even Patriots teams, I've never seen get as much disrespect for all of the accomplishments that they have made. And I'm not trying to be a Mahomes Chiefs fanboy. Trust me, nothing drives me nuts more than when I hear a little kid say, my favorite team is the Kansas City Chiefs, and I like Patrick Mahomes. And say, yeah, you like them because they're good. Nobody was cheering for him when Matt Castle was their quarterback. Shoot, he even got cheered for when he got kicked out of a game with a concussion by their own fans. They have not always been a good team, so I'm not trying to fanboy them. What I'm saying is they've been a respectful team that's made it to five straight AFC championships. They know how to get there. They know how to get to the big game, and they've proven it. The Eagles, this is their first time. Now they have some big-name vets that have been there for a while, like Jason Kelsey, who's a great leader. But 
this team has overcome adversity. It's proved more. The Chiefs have proved more. They had a harder postseason schedule playing against Burrowville or whatever, you know, Burrowhead, playing the Bengals and then playing the the uh, Jaguars. I, I could honestly argue that both of those opponents were probably tougher than either team that Philly ran through, especially because San Fran was without their quarterback and was pretty much just handing the ball off for half a game. Honestly, I would have taken Jacksonville. If I could have, I would have put them in instead. I think that Kansas City played harder opponents. I think, you know, I think they have just that grit, that doubt that a lot of people have. I'm not saying people are praising the Eagles like they're going to win. But what I think is the case is that a lot of people have been doubting the Chiefs from the beginning of the season. I think there's been a lot of disrespect. I think Mahomes has proven that he is an MVP winner. He will win the MVP. I think he'll win the Super Bowl MVP. And I think they'll be lifting another Lombardi trophy for the second time in, what, three years, four years, something like that. Yeah, second time in four years. And why? Because I think this is like the turning page. Like, this is where I was talking about earlier with contracts. I think Mahomes, before they were the young, hungry team that everyone loved. It was a young, exciting team. Now they're the team that has everyone on their back and everyone wants to see them fall. Everyone wants to see them fail. Everyone wanted the Bengals to win. Everyone wanted the Bills to win. Nobody wanted to see Kansas City in here, except, you know, Kansas City fans, of course. Nobody wanted to see them here, though. And that is a fact. People don't love dynasties. Everyone hated the Patriots dynasty. Everyone hated the Golden State Warriors dynasty. Nobody loves the dynasty. They respect them, but they hate them. Sometimes they don't even respect them. And this is what's happening with Kansas City now. They're getting too good at winning for a lot of people to enjoy. And I think, frankly, it's it's tiresome. The first real phase when it comes to a dynasty where we can't accept it is denial. Oh, Burrow's going to win. Burrow's going to beat him out. Burrow's going to – no, no, Josh Allen. Josh Allen's going to do it, guys. He's going to be the one that that ends Kansas City. It's the Bills' year. That's what they said since week one. And who's still standing there? Who is still here? That is Kansas City. They got through everything. They had worse weapons than Cincy. They had worse receivers than Buffalo. Their defense is flawed. It still played, you know, played enough to force two interceptions on Burrow. So this is a team that has overcome adversity despite, honestly, this should be the, we're all praising Mahomes for his greatness. He's the greatest alive. And I'm not trying to go full Collinsworth or Tony Romo, just gloating about him, you know, being able to throw the ball away. But what I am saying is that I think a lot of people a lot of people have been hating on them and don't believe in them and don't think they're going to do it and I think that is the fuel that they need in order to prove it. You like I feel like Kelsey and and Mahomes are just hearing this crap on ESPN about the Bengals being better, the Eagles being favored and they go, "What has Jalen Hurts done in the postseason?" Oh, he beat another undrafted, you know, Mr. Irrelevant quarterback, and he beat the Giants. Ooh, 
We've been to five AFC championship games. We've beaten Tom Brady, you know, uh, uh, when he was a Patriot. We beat the, the 49ers. We beat a better version of that 49er team in the Super Bowl. And we've proven more than that team has. And I can't believe people are doubting us. That's what I think they're, they're saying to themselves. And it's well-deserved. And I'm not saying that the Eagles can't have a chip on their shoulder too. But this isn't that tough, city-love, rocky Eagles team from a couple years ago. This is a well-oiled machine. And I get it. They're a really well-balanced team. They're very well run right now. And honestly, I've I've been a fan of them the entire season. I would have loved I I really want to see them go to the Super Bowl. And I'm happy they're there. I'm just having a hard time going against the Chiefs. I'm really having a hard time going against it. If you guys think differently, leave your thoughts on our QA. Or yeah, I'd love to answer what your guys' thoughts are on. Specifically, come at me with, with real sports topics. If you want a question answered, I can do a QA segment. I can do ask me anything, you know, segments. And I'd love to know what you guys are thinking. So feel free to leave your thoughts about the Super Bowl. Am I delusional? Am I a delusional Kansas City fanboy? Or do I do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? Well, there's only one way to find out. So I'm gonna call it there for the end of the day. Not sure what we're going to do with our next topic, but I am going to be trying to get stuff out a lot smoother than it has been the last couple days. This one will be coming out probably in about an hour or two uh, from when I'm recording, which is about 1040-ish. That way, again, when you're waking up in the morning, when you're going to bed at night, you have a full 12 hours of the day to listen to this podcast. Doesn't matter to me. So have a great one. I'll see you soon. Uh, take care.